The World Triathlon Podcast hits its 50th episode this week. Thanks to all of you who have listened, downloaded, and shared these interviews over the past 18 months from all around the world. If you want to let us know the kind of thing you'd like to hear more of, where you're listening from, or indeed to ask us anything World Triathlon related, you can now also email us at podcast at triathlon.org. Now, on to today's show. As we reach the 50 episode milestone on the World Triathlon Podcast, we get to hear from a man who took 2021 by storm, racking up an Olympic gold and silver in Tokyo, a first World Triathlon Series win, third place in the overall series, and most recently, a storming month of Super League. It is, of course, Alex Yee. Alex, how are you and where are you? I'm wonderful. Yeah, that was a, a cool intro. You don't really think about what's happened this year until, yeah, until you, you kind of finish the year and you look back and you're like, wow, this is, yeah, that, that was a pr pretty cool year. And uh, yeah, I'm in, I'm in London at the moment. I'm at home. I've, I've visited a few, a few schools over the last few days, which has been yeah, really rewarding. And I got to go back to my infant school this morning. They've done a little display and just to see the, the kind of glimmer in the kids' eyes was, was really cool. And yeah, hopefully I can have a bit of an impact. Maybe I'll be a bit more quiet for the teacher today or something, which, uh, which is, yeah, cool. Faster in the yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, we did, we did a, uh, there's something called the daily mile, which is an initiation to kind of keep kids active and running. And we did that, that mile together this morning and then the kids had playtime straight away and, uh, looked out the, of the, the office where all the teachers were and you could just see the kids doing the same lap running again. So they probably ended up running two miles, which is, yeah, it's just super cool to to see them inspired and, and enjoying exercise and, and that kind of side of things, which is, yeah, no, it's, it's lovely that I can kind of have that impact on, on my yeah. local community. You got a pretty good reception from them then, did you? How old, what yeah. does infant mean? What, what kind of age are we talking? Infant is between four years old to kind of seven years. So you yeah. kind of a real start of education in the UK. And, uh, I guess that's the time when, uh, kids are not afraid to ask you the, the, the hard questions like. How many times you fall off your bike and how much money do you make? And <laughs> those are the questions which I really enjoy because they challenge you and you have to find a, find a way of, uh, dealing with them and, and making sure you involve uh, the school has a load of values, which they, they wanted me to involve in the assembly. So trying to figure those in and, yeah. um, yeah, no, was, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, they, they keep you on your toes definitely. And, um, they will have a bit of, bit of my medal in their fingernails, I think. So it will be it's our medal. At it. yeah, exactly. It's our medal as much as it is mine. Yeah, to be able to give, have the sort of immediate context of someone who was at their school and has these medals and, but then also the things like that, the, the daily mile that immediately make the kids think about those sort of distances, right? And then they can relate to the sort of distances people are doing in triathlons or in the Olympic games and things that, you know, it's, it's, it's all those little elements, isn't it? To, to sort of building up in their heads, what is actually possible for them to do, not just what they see on a telly. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely. Cause. Uh, we finished doing the, the mile and, and one of the, the teachers said, oh, that's how far Alec, pretty much how far Alex swims in his races. And they were like, wow, no way. That's amazing. And then when they had, I did 40K of, of biking and 10K of running, they were like, oh, that's all right. So it was really funny to see that they um, thought that the swimming was the hardest discipline. And I was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was really amusing. And to see the kids kind of brains were in it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just thrilling to, to be able to, to, to have that impact. And it's great to have you on for our half century and there's a, a lot to talk about and great for our listeners to be able to hear from you. It seems like you don't necessarily do a, a huge amount of podcasts you've been doing, obviously school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, it's, it's cool. Like, uh, um, it's an honor to be the 50th as well. Um, oh, yeah, well, so great. I mean, thank you for having me. 
if, if you Google Alex Yee podcast, don't know if you've ever done that, but there is an American Alex Yee who does a show, a podcast called Racy Friendships, which I immediately was like, hang on, is this some sort of like triathlon offshoot I've not heard about where our Alex Yee is actually sort of doing some kind of, uh, I don't know, sitcom with various pals. In <laughs> yeah, a bit, bit secret. Yeah. I'm afraid that's not quite what I'm into, but I'd, maybe in the future I'll have a podcast. Um, yeah. But people might find me a bit boring, I think. I feel like I need a bit more about me before I, before I uh, start doing stuff like that. <laughs> but yeah, I've really enjoyed listening to them. So um, yeah, uh, it's, been, yeah, it's a pleasure to be on. Brilliant. Well, I, um, <clears throat> I'd like to start with the comings and goings in, in Tokyo. And uh, it feels in some ways a long time ago and in some ways, you know, kind of like yesterday as well. From not being certain of a place on the team at all to, to two Olympic medals and and then everything from, you know, coming so close in Edmonton and, and the Super League that, you know, that is an incredible turnaround. Did the nature of that kind of yin and yang, as it were, I suppose, like the uncertainty to, to just absolute certainty of your kind of ability, all the more, did that sort of play in a bit to each one of those start lines you were hitting and you were feeling good and like a little bit of, was there a, a touch of invincibility? Because that would be probably a bit too much for your first your Olympic debut, but you know, were there factors like that, that were all kind of clicking into place that, that gave you an extra confidence? I think for me this year, uh, I stood on the start line every time with a purpose. And I think that's been the amazing thing about it. Um, this year is that I was able to stand in Yokohama and I knew that was an opportunity to race the best I could. And, and then on, on the start line between me and Alistair and Leeds, it was, um, very much about racing my own race and making sure I could get the best out of myself. And, and yeah, that led on to to kind of a bit of belief in myself, I think, um, uh, it's always, but when you're racing kind of your idols and I was extremely lucky to have a quick rise in 2019. Um, but there's a difference between thinking you can do it and actually doing it. And that first race in Leeds where I was able to put together, in my opinion, my best swim, bike and run performance, I think made me believe that, oh, right. I, I'm actually, I'm actually, yeah, good enough. And I, I can, I belong in. Uh, at the front of a race and I, I, I can pull turns and I can mix it up and I, I can do those things. And I think that belief, um, in yourself is something which is, is super important to stand on the start line and, and believe. And for me, I said on the start line with a purpose at, at the first two races of the year, but then on, on the Olympic start line, I actually stood on there with a purpose, but belief as well in what I was doing and the complete clarity that I, I was able to prepare the best I could in those, uh, months between Leeds and, and the Olympic and the Olympic games. And. Yeah, I, I came away with a silver medal and for me, I sat down with my coach after and we agreed that I, I feel like I got everything out of my body. Um, and I'm really proud of that. What, what was different about your mindset or the preparation then heading into Yokohama that perhaps hadn't happened before that was giving you that purpose? I think for me, uh, every, with everything I do, everything has to have a purpose. I think that's what motivates me. That's what gets me out of bed is understanding why I'm doing something and that it's leading to me getting better. I think. For me, I'm really internally driven and when you're in the winter months, there are not things which are directly measurable in racing. You can't compare yourself to people you don't know where you're at. But for me, there's things in training which I can directly compare uh, myself to. And whether that's really small things like how many strokes I'm doing per length or my stroke rate or a time I do for 50 meters, um, those things for me are the things which really motivate me. And I think kind of transfer into where I'm in competition and, uh, 
for me, I think I, I was able in races to just come back to the present and the race because, um, for me, I'd always let my mind wander and worry about what other people were doing. But I found this year I've been able to kind of bring myself back to me and, and worry about kind of what I'm doing and make sure that my strokes going well in the water. I know where I'm at and I'm showing the best line and I'm aware of who's around me. Um, and those things I don't think I did so well in the previous years. And I've been able to kind of dial into that mindset and that's allowed me to kind of get to the run in the best possible position and, and yeah, be competitive throughout races, I think. And it wasn't just, I suppose, getting to April, not certain of your, your place on the start list necessarily, but it was that, that year delay as well, obviously to the whole games that perhaps made that, made the results you've had that little bit more likely by virtue of what you were able to, to concentrate on during that time off, you know, are there, are there specific like windows of things you were working on during that year, during that kind of downtime from actual racing that you can attribute in some way to, to what's happened this year? Yeah. For me in 2020, I, I think I'd happily admit, um, that Alistair would probably have gone ahead of me if there was two slots in, in the Olympics and I have complete, um, I'm at, at peace with that. That would have been absolutely fine. And I'm extremely lucky that although the pandemic was an awful time, I, I was able to have that extra year of, uh, of, of delay, but also opportunity to train a little bit more and be consistent. And for me, um, the, the lockdown gave me the clarity. I think, uh, most of all that I was doing it, doing triathlon because I love triathlon and I love the lifestyle and I, I really just enjoy swimming, cycling and running. And, um, I moved down uh, with Olivia Mathias, my girlfriend, um, to her parents' house and we found a way to swim, we found a way to cycle, we found a way to run, even though we could only do one thing outside each day. And um that kind of hustle um I just loved and I really enjoyed. And I think for me that was one thing that that changed in me is that I just had that complete clarity that I just um love the lifestyle and I love what I'm doing. And I really wanna I really wanted to be back at competition, but at the same time I was just really, really enjoying just what I was doing at the time. I suppose yeah you take the racing and the competition element away. And yet what you're wanting to do every day is still figure out how you can get that swimming, how you can get that bike and running. Exactly. And yeah. it does, it makes it a sort of, you know, ticks all the boxes of why you're, why you're doing it in the first place, I guess. Mm, yeah. For, yeah. For me, I've never really had an opportunity to, well, apart from my crash in 2017, I've never really had that opportunity to, to re ask myself, uh, about it. Cause you, you just go through. You find yourself going through the motion so quickly and competition winter goes past so quickly and competition comes up so quickly that you don't take a step back and be like, I don't have to swim this morning. I don't have to cycle this morning, but I want to, and it's, it's what I enjoy and I, I want to find a way to do it and I want to get better. And for me, it, I think it's led me to be quite internally driven and I want to now for the future, find what my body's capable of doing and what I can do as a person in myself. Um, and. If that brings more success than amazing, but also I just want to find my limits as a, as a human being and, and yeah, be able to, to put on a show and, and for people to enjoy it and be inspired and take up the sport. So I think, yeah, for me, that was real nice that I was able to have the opportunity to, uh, to just, yes, well, spend time with my girlfriend and train with her and work hard with her, but then also, yeah, have that, that complete clarity in my mind. Yeah. To be able to do that with someone, you know, with her, it must have been a big, a big help as well then. Yeah. Oh, it's massive because as much as I said, I said that there, you're, you're human. There are times when you find it hard to wake up, you find it hard to get out of the door. So to have a companion, a, a partner in crime, it's, it's, I think it's, it's been so helpful for me and she's, yeah, I should really cut my medals in half and give, <laughs> well, I should cut them in a hundred and give them to a hundred people, I think. So, but yeah, I'm really, really lucky. 
So as 2021 began and, and um, yeah, Yogan was the, the first race there. And like you said, the, you know, Johnny's place was, was sealed. There was an awful lot going on in the background of, you know, discussions in various teams as well. Certainly like GB wasn't the only one as far as where those final places were, we're going to go to. Um, were you just looking at it, right? You're going to do what you can do and in a sense, let fate, fate take its course or were you, I've got, that's got to be me. I've got to be the second GB male. For me, um, whether I qualified for the Olympics or not, I was always going to do, uh, in regard, irrespective of what was going to happen. My focus of the, the start of the year was, was leading Yokohama because I was actually outside the top 30 as well, but for the Olympic, um, ranking and for those who don't know, you have to be in the top three, you have to have three of your nation's athletes in the top 30 to qualify three athletes um for your gender for the olympics um so tom and i were both kind of on a point to chase at the start of that year um but at the same time i just wanted to race my two best races in those first uh two races and i was almost a chunk of my year was okay we're focusing on yokohama and leeds these are two biggest races in the season and then you almost treat that as a mini season then um whatever happens after that will happen and luckily those two went really well and then all of a sudden you're like oh my goodness we're, we're we're, we're, I've just won Leeds and I've uh, got this opportunity now. What's what we doing now? And so, yeah, that was, that was kind of my focus. And I have a huge amount of respect for Tom who, who did so many races and, and worked so hard for us. And I think, um, yeah, we've been incredibly lucky in our, in, in Great Britain. We've had so many people who, who work behind the scenes and work so hard for us to kind of get us to, to, to that point. And, um, I think it shows on race day that, uh, that it's not only our performance, which is leading to that, but it's the support behind it and the little things, which you don't realize, um, mm. which, yeah, we're, we're incredibly lucky to have. And I suppose in the, in the immediate fallout of Leeds, you very quickly realized that it was you, like, was there that, what point was the formal conversation had that you would get in that place? Did it take Alice, uh, Um, to his credit, Alistair actually came up to me after the race and just said, uh, congratulations, mate. You were amazing today. Um, he was a, a real gent about it. He was, um, yeah, explained that he had a, he, he thinks he had a, an ankle injury and he had to have some surgery, unfortunately. Um, and it was unfortunate the way he, he raced that final race, cause he's obviously left an incredible legacy in our sport, but, um, yeah, he was incredibly nice to me. And, um, yeah, we, we kind of, I, I went straight actually into a heat camp, uh, the next day, uh, which is quite funny to think about now, um, to, to prepare for, for the Olympics. Um, well, so, was that back so in, yeah, it was in Loughborough, in Loughborough. Yes. so yeah, we were in Leeds and then we moved down south to Loughborough and kind of got cracking straight away. Um, which is, which is crazy to think about now when you look back at it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was nonstop, but it was really, really enjoyable, enjoyable few weeks of my life. So is Loughborough the new, the new leads? Is that, is that how it's going now? <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me in trouble, mate. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I absolutely love Loughborough and I'm incredibly lucky to be working with, um, Adam Elliott down there and he's been an incredible help to me. And, um, yeah, though we've had a, only had a short time together. I feel like we get each other and he, he was, yes, yeah, as much his medals as mine, that the hard work he's put into me and invested in me and I'm incredibly lucky to have coaches of past Liam O'Neill, who was incredibly well, had, had told me so many good, good things that I, I feel like I've brought down to Loughborough and I feel like I learned so much from the excellence that I had in, in, in Leeds and 
the amazing athletes I, I was able to train with that I, I feel like I have opportunity to kind of bring uh, the things that I really enjoyed there and the good bits about the culture into to Loughborough and hopefully I don't want to make it my center it's it's a, a collective of athletes but I really want to be able to put in things which I, I feel uh, are beneficial and, and will make make training more fun and enjoyable but also we all get the best out of each other and I feel like everyone's really bought in and it's, it's really exciting where the center could go. So just so just prior to well I suppose you're based in start 2021 was Loughborough was it like that that's where you're yeah. living and that's where you were training and and who else is was training there or is training there at the moment and you know is that where you literally left off to Tokyo from and it was like a, all right good luck mm. yeah so I during lockdown I was living with my girlfriend Olivia uh for about six months and then Loughborough was actually the first um because of the the kind of fantastic swimmers they have in in British swimming based in Loughborough and the likes of Adam Peaty um etc um they they had first pool access and we were able because of the risk assessment to actually get a lane ourselves and um so that was kind of a no-brainer for me obviously you need to work on my swim so i i stayed in loughborough and i got to know adam and uh there was kind of a, a natural transition there where um i was i was incredibly lucky to be welcomed in and everyone was really welcome in um and now yeah i i kind of have stayed ever since and um yeah i, I train with with the likes of Sophie Caldwell and uh, Jodie Simpson was there until a couple of months ago and, and Olivia Mathias, my girlfriend. And then on the male side, I train with uh, Harry Lelou, who's also my housemate. Um, yeah. And Ben Dykstra as well, who's all these guys are, are incredible talents and, and have so much to give in the sport. And they, they've, they've given me so much of their time. And um, it's going to be really exciting to see where they all go. And there's so many more I can name who, are, who are, I'm sure going to, you all know very soon. So, It'll be, I'm just loving it, mate. It's, it's been just really, really enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. Your battles with Ben go back quite a long way as well, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. No, we have a really good relationship. Um, we had many a battle as a, as a junior and a youth and even younger than that. Um, but yeah, we're still best friends and we'll still train together and we're still kind of on those rainy rides. We'll get each other through it and we'll work together. And it goes for the same for any other guy who's in, in the Loughborough training squad that we'll all work for each other or. We'll, we'll, uh, we're all bought, we've all kind of bought into it and we were all really enjoying it. So yeah, it's, it's really nice. And Adam Peaty in a sort of build up to an Olympics. What's, well, how was that working? Like sharing a pool with him and sort of did, was there an element of being quite pleased that you're not a dedicated swimmer yourself? For judging yeah. yeah. So we swam, I swam at the same time as, uh, Adam, Adam on, yeah, on two days uh, of the week and. The thing I remember most is just Mel Marshall, who's his coach. She's just absolutely crazy and she's just really animated and she's always kind of getting everyone going and really excited. And I think um, she brought a really good energy to the pool and she made she clearly made it exciting for the, the British swimmers. Um, but I also found it quite amusing watching myself. So <laughs> I think they they were all, uh, well, they all had a really successful um, Olympics as swimmers. So it's been incredible to see. And um, obviously Adam's, done amazing and now he's on Strictly Come Dancing which means you've officially made it um, <laughs> so yeah it's been it's been really cool to to kind of see him and he's been obviously a massive inspiration to everyone in Loughborough but I also think it's it's quite amusing when you go back to Loughborough because there's so much excellence you kind of go back with a gold and silver medal and they're like you're just you're just one of us now so <laughs> which I, I really like and it keeps you keeps you humble and keeps you you know, kind of hustling and working hard so yeah and how was the whirlwind 
pre-Olympics in terms of, you know, so you went to Miyazaki, there was the training camp there. Um, did, did the team around you manage to make it, did, was there an effort to try and keep everything as sort of normal race build up normal as possible? Because there is a huge amount of pressure on everyone around the team to get the results, right? More, perhaps more than any other race you've experienced. I don't know. So yeah. How, how was that? Yeah, I think for me, the thing I noticed most about uh, the Olympics is how experienced everyone was. Everyone seemed to have had prior experience of with, with regard to the support staff and actually the athletes themselves, um, kind of experience around those high pressure, uh, scenarios. And, um, the, the thing I noticed was just how supportive people were, but from a, but not intrusive in a way. So it wasn't like that kind of, it didn't feel over the top. It felt really natural and, um, we'd almost had this build up all together in Loughborough, um, where I'd seen almost everyone that it didn't feel like really artificial. So many people coming in at one point just for the holding camp, it felt like I'd worked with all these people for, well, I have worked with all these people for the last two, three years without realizing, which is quite crazy that you, you kind of, you, there's almost that preparation leading in before you even know it. So, um, it was, it was, we, in a way we were really lucky. We had Miyazaki, the Miyazaki training camp, I think. It was us, the Norwegians and, um, the Japanese who were really lucky to actually be able to go outside and do our training outside and, and those things in, in Japan. Whereas, uh, I think a lot of people had to cancel their holding camps because of the, the COVID pandemic and, and had to just go into the, the Olympic village, uh, having, having trained at home and, and just, uh, yeah, not experienced the conditions, but so we were incredibly lucky in that sense, but, uh. It was, it was actually the rainy season in, in Miyazaki because it's quite, um, significant yeah. south from, uh, south of Japan. So we were getting days, which were 35, 36 degrees, 90% humidity, but then we we're also getting days, which were the worst thunderstorms I've ever seen in my life, verging on typhoons, <laughs> which is, which was, uh, unnerving when you're 34 stories high in a building. <laughs> yeah. But as it turned out, quite good preparation for the women. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. We, we were laughing because. The girls did a, a race prep, uh, scenario where they woke up at 3 AM, like we did for our race and, uh, got up and did their swim at six 30 and it was really bad weather, awful conditions. They're like, why are we doing this? We're, we're never going to have race conditions like this. And then it turned out they did. So it was, it was amusing in a way to look back on that and think, oh, you actually were doing the right thing. Yeah. It's wild to think that, you know, Basmala from Egypt was saying, yeah, she had you know, they, they barely get storms, let alone like those sort of typhoon conditions. So when she woke up that morning, it sort of blew her away a little bit. Not, you know, bad yeah, well, intended. Um, <laughs> so yeah, th there's, there's a lot to be said for having a little taste of everything in the build up to such a big. No, totally. Yeah. That was one thing which, uh, a lot of people have fed back on, I think from other nations is that, uh, team GP brought these dry robes, which are extremely big jackets, uh, slash changing room type thing, type kind of towels, um, which are meant to keep you warm in extreme cold conditions or like after you've done open water swim or something like that. And uh, a lot of other nations looked at us and said, why have you brought them out? That's ex extremely silly. It's a waste of money. And God knows how much ex extra for, uh, that to actually be brought across, um, in terms of money. Um, but then on race day, they were using them and. And both all of the team GB girls had them on. And I think that was a, a big statement to the rest of the nation that we were, we're incredibly lucky to have that support and all bases have been covered in that terms of thought process and 
mm. yeah it was it was really cool to see that and i think it was a, a bit of a moment or yeah for us to to be like yeah we're we're, we're, we're really lucky in that sense were you just to fast forward to the women's race because that was obviously the day after the men's but were you yeah. uh yeah were you up for that like you know do, do were you able to watch it in your rooms or how did that play out like quite nice to have got your race done and then be able to watch the entertainment was it yeah so well normally with world triathlon format we're always second so we never really get to enjoy the the women's race but yeah i was up i was um i don't think i sat that night really honestly <laughs> but um no I, I was up i remember because I, I had a really nice view of the kind of swim uh swim course because we'd stayed in the hotel instead of staying in the in the olympic village just for ease of logistics and we were really lucky in that sense as well um so i had an incredible view of the swim so i remember watching the swim and then flicking back to the to the coverage i tried on live and then back up um and then one of one of my friends sam who was uh at the olympics for as a reserve athlete for the relay um he also had a view of the bike course so i'd run across to his room and have a look at the bike course and we see them whiz past and then um yeah, it was just it was just really cool to be able to kind of whiz across and Johnny was there as well and Gordon Benson who was also out there as a as a reserve. Um yeah, we were all just getting really animated and obviously we had two two girls doing incredibly well and Vicky also doing incredibly well. So um yeah. yeah, it was just really, really inspiring to watch them and um they kind of set precedence for us and uh going into the relay that we were kind of really really in a good position. Um, On and, yeah, it's, it's just amazing to see Georgia and Jess and their relationship and, um, Georgia going through well, such a tough time prior to, prior to the Olympics and how probably the hardest build up of any athlete. Um, and then achieve what she did. It was incredibly inspiring. I felt incredibly proud for her and she should be proud of herself. How privy were you to the ins and outs of her situation in the, in the build up? then? Well, I mean, you're, you're obviously focused on your, on what's going on with you, but as far as the relay goes, obviously there, there were big consequences as well to her fitness as well as being a friend that you want to see out there doing her stuff. Yeah, I, I probably shouldn't comment too much on her ins and outs. Uh, obviously that's, that's kind of her story to, to yeah. talk about, but, um, uh, as a friend, I just wanted to kind of be there for her and make sure she was, she was all right. She was still enjoying what she was doing. She was still motivated. And I know there was, um, I have a, one of my best friends, Jordan Hall, his, his girlfriend, uh, was was actually moved out of her accommodation and, and moved in, uh, really near to, to Georgia to help her through her, through her, through her kind of, uh, times and her training and kind of rehab and build, build up back to the games. And, uh, she had that really small team, which kind of did an incredible job to, to get her back to, to where, where she is now. And it's incredible to see her going through super league and Jess obviously doing so well as well. And obviously all the British girls, it's been super inspiring. Um, and yeah, I think we're, we're incredibly lucky to be led by an incredible group of females in, here in, in Great Britain and British triathlon. So, um, yeah, leading by example for us. And in Miyazaki then, just back to there, was there much, you know, the, the Norwegians, were they staying in the same hotel? Was it kind of a little bit private and secrecy? Was there a bit of hanging out or did you just try and avoid each other? We definitely, I wouldn't say we were avoiding each other, but they were staying in the hotel just 400 meters down the road from us. So we were ever so slightly apart. I think they were doing a little bit or had a collaboration with the, the Japanese Federation, but we'd see them every now and then. And whenever I'd see them, I think I'd just see Blumenfeld with a grit, grit, grit teeth and just absolutely sprinting. And I was just like, the guy's all in and respect to him. He, he really was. And, um, 
uh, yeah, it was, I, I, I do have vivid memories of him running past me, absolutely great teeth, just all out. And <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was cool to see. Yeah, produced it at the finish in Edmonton there. And so, so for you personally, were you in perhaps like some sort of a sweet spot? Obviously, you're going into a race with a goal and with a purpose, but you didn't have the same quite the same level of expectation perhaps from the outside perhaps from yourself as some of the other people on your start list was there did you feel like you could go in a little bit a little bit looser and just do your stuff yeah for me i i just wanted to prepare the best i could and honestly just remember it as my first olympics and i spoke to so many people before um the race for advice and stuff like that and get their opinion on things and the thing that everyone came back to is that it's your first olympics and the people have passed, they've forgot to to think about and enjoy the fact that they're at their first ever Olympic Games. It's an achievement in itself and it's been a lifelong goal of mine to get there. So the main thing for me was just, I prepared the best I can. I'm saying on the start of complete clarity of that, but also look around, enjoy your surroundings, enjoy what you're doing. Um, make sure you remember everything you're doing. And, and for me, I can look back at 56 minutes and 33 seconds and probably be like, like if you're free framing it, I can tell you exactly what was going through my head. And I don't have many races like that, but for the Olympics, I could tell you exactly through the bike, through the swim, uh, through the, through the whole of the relay as well, more my experiences. And I could probably close my eyes and cycle that bike course. Cause I just run it through my head a million times just because it wasn't an obsession, but it was just an absolute passion. And, um, yeah, that the memories of it, uh, yeah, just so, so fun. You did you visualize each element, did you over and over again then before? Cause you know, it was, it was a long time since you, you raced the test event. I did. Yeah. yeah. Not very well. <laughs> yeah. I actually but did that in itself give you plenty to work on then and, and yeah, extra memory to, to, to build through. Yeah. I just, well, I actually got dropped on the, on the bike on the, on, on the, uh, Tokyo test event because uh, we had, we were measuring our core temperature and my core temperature went up to I think 41 degrees, which is like kind of ridiculous. And I think I just hit a point where I just exploded internally. And, uh, so a massive goal for me was to try and avoid that happening throughout the race and manage kind of intensity and, mm. and the stress I was putting through my body. So for me, visualizing the course and making sure I was efficient through everything for, throughout specifically the bike was super important and positioning myself in a place where I could be aggressive and, and push towards the front, but also not have to, to push to those extreme high watt, wattages. And, uh, there's particular, there's one dead turn, which probably looks really insignificant on the telly, but you, you go from pretty much zero K an hour at one point and you go down a highway road under, under a bridge and you go up to about 70 kilometers an hour and you do that in about 30 seconds, which is just the amount of stress that you have to go through to kind of get up to that speed is, is. Yeah, quite significant during a triathlon we have to run 10k after and i think those the four processes of that and having to manage those things throughout a triathlon was something which we never kind of looked into before and actually breaking it down and seeing kind of what power i was putting through before i got dropped on the on the bike and in um in the test event and then trying to replicate that in training so i was ready for the, those explosions if they did happen mm. and we and luckily they, they didn't because i was able to swim and swim okay and be in the in the in the second pack quite early um but yeah I, I think for me that was that kind of visualization really helps me kind of flow through things and and not kind of 
mess up and have to to do those little one percenters which make a difference when it comes down to how close our, our final was and i'm sure there were moments which weren't perfect and and no race is perfect over two hours it's well i'm yet to experience that so i think yeah for, for me uh that was kind of my thought process i guess <laughs> yeah yeah but I, and each each section as it progressed you must have kept feeling as well right this is this is my kind of race here like the swim was very condensed and yeah i don't know at the halfway point when you came out back in like where whereabouts you were but certainly after the swim there was only kind of a minute between first and last um so that it must be a, a moment of right this is on let's 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 get into this and then i guess the the bike inevitably slowed a little bit as the pack got like pretty huge towards mm. on that last lap so there were certain things that were there's a hell of a lot of way to go, but that were, that were setting up nicely for that run, right? Yeah, I was, uh, I, I definitely say I was lucky, but also I guess you make your own luck in a way, um, for the, the way the, the, the kind of race scenario went. And, um, there definitely was a, an excitement, I guess. And, uh, for me when things are coming together, but then also I, I was just trying to focus on the next 30 seconds ahead of me because you're in a bike pack, so many things can go wrong, especially in the size we were and the course we were doing, it was extremely technical and, um, people are nervous. It's, it's an Olympic games. There's a lot on the line. Uh, it's a really high pressure environment. So for me, I just had to focus on what I was doing at that time and focus on that next 30 seconds, make sure I got around that dead turn, make sure I was positioned well, make sure I was out of trouble. And, um, yeah, for me, I, I just tried to not let myself think about kind of to get too far ahead of myself, just kind of focus on there and now and stay present and hmm. i think that that was kind of my mindset throughout it and yeah moving on to the run i, I well those first few strides I, I wouldn't say i felt particularly good um i almost found myself building into the run in a way and um after the first lap having so many people in the mix it was it was pretty crazy because i thought i was running i was running pretty quick and um yeah it was it was definitely attritional towards the end but i just tried to focus on the next hundred strides I was doing and then the next hundred strides after that. And then that kind of got me through it and got me kind of to, to, to yeah, that silver medal. Yeah. I, I mean, from the moment you, you caught Andreas Salvesberg, right. Who'd kind of gone off on yeah. that, on the light final stage of the bike. And then, I mean, it was you spearheading that run for, for quite a lot of the way. Um, you know, how, how is that position for you? Like the, being the, the chased and in that sort of situation. And I mean, it must have been kind of mentally exhausting as well, right? There were, I suppose there were plenty, plenty of kind of hairpins that you could assess exactly what was yeah. going on around you as well. Yeah, I, I think for me as well as this year has kind of been the first time where I've been able to race people at the front of races, and I still don't think I found my style of racing. Uh, you see, Blumenfeld's clearly got quite a distinctive style where he goes from kind of two k to a k out, and he just absolutely goes for it and that's it and for me I'm I'm not sure whether I, I'd actually suit a style where I go for the best 10k I physically can run or whether I wait till the end and I tried that in Super League and it seemed to work pretty well but also almost didn't work very well so so you never know with these things so I still feel like I'm trying to find my style and find my identity within triathlon and my style of racing mm. and also I guess I don't want to be too predictable in in that sense as well that I have I'm very one dimensional and I can just win races from one, one aspect. Um, but yeah, I think for me in that Olympic games, I was just, I was just so excited to be at the front of, of the Olympic games and 
and just like as much as I was working extremely hard and I was extremely tired, I was so excited to just be there and um and to be with the races Ian Wright and, and Hayden alongside yeah. as well. And it, that must have all played into it as well a little bit. It was just it was just like like a like a dream really. I, I don't know, that sounds really cliche, but you just never imagine yourself being in that position until you're kind of there and you just like every now and then you kind of come out of, and then you're almost like, wow, um, it's really happening. Like, am I, am I really in the last three battling for the medals of the Olympics? And, um, I think for, for me, uh, it, it, you don't want to give yourself that, that those thoughts, but at the same time, I was just having so much fun and just enjoying myself so much. That was, yeah, that you always, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, I think, think for me, I probably could have paced a run better, definitely, and stuff like that. But would I change it? Probably not, because it's it was how I ran it and how I was feeling in the moment. And hmm. um, I, I, yeah, it was it was just super enjoyable moment. And uh, yeah, I, I look back on it fondly because I feel like I got everything out of my body, but I also enjoyed myself and I had one of my best races of my life, or if not the best race of my life, and came away with an Olympic medal. And 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 for me. Uh, in a way, sorry to keep waffling, but in a, in a way, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm totally at peace. I didn't win, win the gold. I feel like in terms of the preparation I had, I, I, I did everything I could. I prepared the best I could in the heat with the time frame I had and feel like I had the best equipment, the best support, everything I had like that, but I don't feel like the complete article yet. I don't feel like the complete triathlete I want to be. And. If I, if I ever am fortunate enough to be in a situation like that, again, I, I want to be in though in a position like that, where I, I feel like I've done everything I physically can to get to that point. And I cross that finish line and be like, wow, this is, I feel, I feel like I've achieved this and I've worked so hard for this. And, um, yeah. And I feel like I, I had the best swim bike and run that I physically could have, could have had, and I'm in the best physical shape of my life. And, hmm. um, I know everyone's not fortunate enough to have those, those opportunities, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, I don't know, my, my dream scenario is to just kind of have, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably waffling a little bit, but I, that's kind of how, how I feel about it. No, I mean that, that unpredictability, I suppose, could be your, your secret weapon, right? You, you know, and you're still, you know, you've got years of triathlon ahead of you. So finding your, your run style or if you even feel you need to, but that adaptability could be your secret weapon. And then maybe sometimes some situations it will it won't work as well as others and um christians obviously that you know for that games for that individual race that was something he'd been as he said several times you know he'd been working for 10 years to that point that was his destiny that was his target for so long and um and he made it happen and then kind of conversely for you and hayden you were finding yourselves i guess i don't know did you discuss it with hayden at all like that, that you were sort of you know in that medal contention there were three of you all going for the gold. Nobody knew which way it was going to go at the, I guess, 500 meter mark or whatever. Um, and so exciting that it's three, you know, between you and the women, there was like, I think a 13th place was the previous top Olympic positioning, plenty of debuts and so on. So, you know, it was all, it was all beautifully set up. <laughs> I guess after all of that, <laughs> did you and Hayden discuss it at all after like that, you know, how you had felt and just that kind of raw excitement of the, of the moment? Yeah, I mean, I think for us two, we were, yeah, like I said, we were probably just living our dream in a way. Um, 
and yeah when we finished we, we had an embrace and we were just like couldn't really believe what was happening and uh yeah i think we were both kind of out of it because we were i remember both of us just kind of leaning on each other and we were almost falling over a little bit um because we in a way though we we bloom had moved away from us we were all kind of pretty much full gas moving kind of all about a similar distance away from each other um just trying to get to the finish line um just because i guess no place is certain until the end especially in those conditions uh but yeah it was it was a pretty special moment i remember almost falling over actually when we when we took the left turn into um to start running down the hill into the finish i just my legs just kind of gave up on me i was like don't give up on me that. <laughs> but yeah it was yeah, me and Hayden have had many a battle over the years and we, we, we rarely spend much more than hundred meters away from each other, uh, throughout races. So it's, it's really special to, to kind of share that with him. And, um, yeah, hopefully we'll have many more battles to come. I think that's something which I cherish is the, the opportunity to kind of get the best out of myself. And I feel like he's somebody who really challenges me to do that. And I hope I challenge him as well. Yeah. So for the relay, um, getting together, doing the lineup having to wait for three legs for your moment must have been a form of torture, was it? <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Um, yeah. So straight after the individual, uh, we had, we had a press conference and, and stuff like that. And I remember we all had a medals on the table and I remember looking distinctly at, at Blumenfeltz and you, you can probably, if you look at pictures, you can really tell they done a good job of making the gold extra, extra shiny. And the gold is just when you put them all next to each other, just even when I was at the, the primary school, no kids touch my, uh, <laughs> no kids were touching myself and they were touching the gold. And I remember just thinking, man, that is, we, we could do this and I really want to do this. And the afternoon I had a little bit of media to do when all the, the British public woke up and, and, uh, we, we did a few interviews and stuff, but then straight after that, I was back in the pool that day and made sure I was doing everything I could to be, be in a position to kind of do my, my team proud and, and prepare the best I could. And yeah. The first three legs of of our of our race couldn't have gone any better, honestly. Um they all kind of had probably well, in my opinion, three of the, the best relay legs that have ever been seen in triathlon. Um and yeah, that did make me incredibly nervous. And I don't know if I've ever felt the pressure that I felt at that point. Um actually I had not a panic attack, but I had like a bit of like a point where I couldn't really breathe to one of my, the, the physiotherapist called, um, uh, Emma Deacon. And she, I was like, I feel like I'm just breathing really strong. My heart's beating so fast. And she's like, it's a good thing. Your heart's beating. It means you're alive and stuff like that. I was like, yeah, that's true. That's true. And even those little words made it's such true. a big difference to me and it just calmed me down and mm. I'm that swim and I swam, swam well and I anticipated Vince catching me on the bike. And when he came past me, I didn't anticipate him coming by that quick, but I was able to get on that wheel and make sure I stayed there and attack into transition and, and yeah, run away. And, and the, the feeling that uh, in a way I didn't allow myself after the, the, the Tokyo test event, uh, and how close the finish was to lose that sprint finish to the French in the final, I didn't allow myself kind of that luxury to, to kind of celebrate down the finish line. I just wanted to get there and make sure I did everything I could after three, uh, the, the three guys had just done the incredible incredible job i just wanted to, to finish it off and do them proud and do the nation proud and that yeah <laughs> what a man that feeling when you when you cross the finish line you're like olympic champions first ever event first ever time the event has happened i think uh 
yeah, it was just incredible. And the reception back home, the amount of people that just enjoyed watching. And I think one of the, they came up the one of the most Googled things was like how to start triathlon and stuff like that. You're like, what, what, this is crazy. Like people are actually enjoying what we're doing and you just start something as a, as a hobby and for the enjoyment of it. And then people are like, yeah, buying in and, and staying up late at night and the amount of people were saying, oh yeah, I'm going to go for a run tomorrow morning or I stayed up this late and I'm going to go to work in three hours and stuff like that. And you're like, it's just amazing that the power of sport and the fact that we could, yeah, after just such a rubbish time with COVID and stuff like that to be able to, yeah, for people to enjoy, enjoy it, enjoy sport again and for us to put a smile on their face. Um, yeah, and I suppose... Yeah, that that uh, that final transition was was the from a sort of observer point of view. Well, you managing to hang on to, to Vince's back wheel, and then I guess kind of tucking in behind him for that last lap was pr- presumably exactly where you wanted to be. And he was yeah. testing and asking plenty of questions. And um, but at the same time, he must have been thinking about needing to keep some in reserve for the run. So mm. there was a good cat and mouse going on there. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, the the way he attacked past. Uh, how he did, he kind of set a precedent that I, I was probably never going to come to the front at that point because of not trust issues, but I just didn't want, I, I, I was kind of aware of what had happened to, to, um, Morgan behind and obviously him t- being dropped off by, by Vince. And it was an incredible, incredible move that he did actually watching it back. Um, but I just, I just couldn't afford myself the luxury to, to kind of go to the front and take the corners at the front because you know, it was unpredictable what he could do. And I wanted to, to make sure I could see what was going on and instead of it just happening out of nowhere like it did obviously going into transition and me almost losing kind of two free bike legs and having to make that up on somebody who's going incredibly quick it was pretty tough (laughs) and to be able to do that so i mean that final transition was unbelievably tense uh, but but equally vincent's didn't necessarily go in perfectly to plan so you know, interesting to say you had the, the test event kind of photo finish situation playing over in your head a bit as well, but those first strides knowing that, that, that the shoes were on and you were out and you had a bit of a thing and that was the, the 2k. Yeah. Yeah. That first lap, I was all in, like everything I had went into that first lap after kind of assessing the situation, seeing the big screen, seeing it had a little bit of a gap, I was like, I'm all in. And if I lose this now, then the person who beats me is a better person than me. And I got to that, that K point and I had about 10, 10 seconds or something like that. And I was like just got to keep going now and try and match what I did before. And I probably didn't even get close to matching it, but I, I did everything I could and, and yeah, just made sure I brought it home for the guys. And I, I obviously we're, we had the opportunity to see them. They gave me a massive cheer and gave me some good information as I came past and that kept me believing and kept me motivated. And, mm. um, yeah, it gives you that purpose again, that you, you're doing this for, for yourself. You do this big country, you do it for, for those guys as well. And yeah, it's just very cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it was just a brilliant moment for the, for the sport, wasn't it? And for, to think how <clears throat> now other team, yeah, not that they didn't, everyone was all in for, for that one, but it's only going to get bigger and more of a focus for, for the future games, isn't it? Like that, that team element and, and wanting to, wanting to deliver that moment for your teammates. Yeah. I think for us as well, as much as we wanted to do well and achieve what we achieved and race how we raced, pardon me. Um, I think we wanted to make sure that the, the mixed relay was seen as a really viable event for the Olympics. And I think from the reception back home, it almost was received better than the, the individual races were. And people love the fact it's mixed genders and it's short, it's sharp, it's straightforward. Everyone knows what's happening. Three, four people do 
swim, bike, run, uh, one after the other. And it's go boy, go boy. Like it, it, it just, it just made sense to people and people really bought in and people staying up late to watch it back at home in the UK and in Europe and people enjoyed it and, and got behind us. And yeah, it was amazing. It was just really, really good moment for triathlon, I think. Yeah. You know, it was, it was just after the Rio Olympics, you had your first junior world champs, right? That was your first grand final in Cozumel as well. Yeah. And that was just after Rio and another moment with Ali and Johnny and, you know, the, the situation at the tail end of that race. So I, I just wanted to, you know, do you remember much about, you know, so much has happened the last couple of years, but do you remember things about that first world champs and the brouhaha around the, the Brownlee situation there and did that all kind of, you know, how, how fresh is, are those kind of moments and, and those sort of first big international events on, in your memory? Yeah, I think Cosmo really set standard for me because Cosmo in Mexico, uh, was probably the most luxurious, amazing place I'd ever been to in my life. And then I thought every world championship is going to be like, this is going to be amazing. Go get some of fishes and it's going to be crystal clear waters and really nice and amazing. And we got to go to Florida before and. Uh, yeah, I just remember it was such fond memories and, um, I, I don't, I think I came fifth that day and I had a pretty good race, but I, I think the thing I remembered was just the camaraderie between the British athletes, whether you were a junior or whether you're a senior, everyone was hanging out together. We all were, were one big team, whether that was recently crowned Olympic champion or Vicky Holland, who just got her, her Olympic medal as well for the first time. It was just mm. amazing to be part of that team and everyone worked together and got the best out of each other. and. Yeah, what a moment for, for Alan John. I mean, obviously Johnny's not a massive fan of talking about it and stuff, but for us, we were watching, we were running from all kinds of corners to watch what, what was going on. I was obviously training with Tom at the time and I was massively cheering for him, but then also aware that Alistair and Johnny were doing incredibly well. And yeah, it was it was it was just bizarre to see Johnny at one point over over there and then running across and then just seeing uh, those two kind of in arms, probably love, all the all the phrases just kind of coming down that finish line and I think it, it was just a, a really iconic moment for triathlon to kind of see it in the flesh was uh, exciting, but also I felt, felt bad watching it as well, just because of how bad um, the situation Johnny was in. But um, I think also an incredibly proud moment for, for both of them. It should be that, that they showed um, kind of what tri like how how we are in triathlon and what what kind of people we are. I feel like we a lot of people would do that for, for other people in the sport, and I think. That was incredible to show and uh the super league series recently has shown that um as much as we race for a nation and stuff we're all friends within the sport and we all will help each other and we're all there's no egos here we're all here to, to race the best we can and get the most out of our bodies and, and challenge each other but also be challenged as well and i think i think it's a it's it's incredible to be part of such a cool sport like that and yeah they kind of set that precedence there yeah yeah, and it's a it's a it's a gutsiness that you obviously showed a year later, Cagliari, that terrible accident. You know, many people whose sort of first uh, knowledge of Alex, you might you know, having been perhaps Tokyo, wouldn't necessarily know that. Yeah, you, know, you, you suffered a, a horrendous accident on the bike in the in the World Triathlon Cup in Cagliari, twenty seventeen, right? And that that took you out for a year. Um, I mean, yeah, I just want to reflect a bit on on that how perhaps you know was that a, a formative part of you now in terms of mental toughness in terms of what you must have gone through immediately after that race you know from 
just from like it being one of your first World Cups. Was it your first World Cup? It was my first ever World Cup. Yeah, first ever World Cup. And then, yeah, yeah. so you you hit a bollard, you punctured lungs, uh, well, lung, um, broken ribs, yeah, got... vertebrae, shoulder, hit my head. Yeah, all the all the wrong things. But in a way, I was incredibly lucky. Pardon me for it to happen where it did happen. It happened right in transition, and my, I don't know how, but amazingly, my my physiotherapist and and kind of medical staff were literally about 10 meters away from where it happened. And she was able to get to me straight away. If you watch the video, you can see how within kind of 20 seconds of it happening, actually just by my side, making sure I'm okay, checking all my vitals and stuff like that. So although it was an awful, awful accident, I was incredibly lucky to have kind of her by my side straight away. And she in a way probably had a bit of an impact on me being able to train again, because at one point they were saying in the, the hospital, yeah, we don't think you'll be able to run again because of the damage done to you your vertebrae and transverse processes and that, that's obviously an upsetting thing to hear and when i'm on the phone to my mom or my my, my coach a bit a bit jogged up i think from all the anesthetics they're giving me saying yeah i'll be back to a rotterdam or championships in three weeks or whatever it was but uh oh god yeah, so I, I never was there for a long time were you in, in Italy? yeah i was i was there for for six weeks actually just i was in hospital for four weeks and i had to stay an extra two weeks to make sure my lung uh, had fully healed up just because of the, com the compression in the, the airplane and just getting home. That was potentially a plan. I get a ferry and have to lie down in the car and, and then drive all the way through France and Jeez. some crazy plans, but yeah, it made sense for me to stay And the hospital staff are incredibly helpful and, and nice to me. They made, I think a few of them learned a bit of English as I was there, <laughs> which was cool. And I learned a few phrases in, in Italian and which I probably forgotten now, but yeah, it was, it was, it was. Uh, an, an awful time but also i was incredibly lucky with everything that happened following that accident though it was really unfortunate and it changed my perspective of kind of why i was doing this and made made me kind of look at it rather than it being a bad thing it's an opportunity for me to, to have a comeback and so when i'm training all, all the time i have an opportunity now to, to work on something which i wouldn't be able to work on i worked on a, a lot of snc stuff and made sure that when i came back i was able to, to tolerate the load which i now do and I couldn't do before because I may have got an overuse injury or something like that. So I've been incredibly lucky in that sense that it halted my progress for the, for, for my, for my last junior world championships and my, my first ever senior world cup where I miraculously made the front of the race and all that good stuff. Um, yeah, just, it, it gave me that opportunity to kind of reset and, um, kind of come back stronger and I was able to kind of come back and race a, a really good 10 K and uh, that year and just get back on the bike. And I went back to Cagliari next year and I was able to race there and though it didn't go the best, it was an opportunity for me to just fight those demons and, and yeah, just show that, yeah, I've been in this injury that I'm back. I'm, I'm still a triathlete and I'm not going to let something like that stop me. Were there some demons? Cause it was a, it's a rapid descent on that course. And for that to be the first race back on the same course, uh, you know, that takes some brass as well. Yeah, no, I definitely would say I was. I would say I was cautious, but I definitely would say I was definitely not as aggressive as I'd normally be on a bike. And I think as, as much as, uh, I always say people are like, are you scared to get back on the bike? I was like, no, I, I've spent so long off my bike, but I just want to get back on it. Now it's been long enough, but, um, on that race, you obviously go through the same corners and flow through the, the same course. And yeah, there was definitely hesitation in my mind and stuff like that. But I felt like once I'd gone through it, I felt like I'd, I came at the other side with a lot of 
kind of freedom and, and peace in my mind that I'd done that. So yeah, it was, it was nice and it was just nice to, to come back and the people there have a lot of energy and they're really nice and obviously really supportive and I got to go see the, the hospital staff and thank them and okay. it was just a nice kind of circle of everything that had happened. So yeah, it was mm. a nice closure. Not a great way to do it, but a, a, an interesting way to prove to yourself what, what you can do, what you can go through, what you can cope with in a sport that demands that you deal with and cope with a lot. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think um, triathlon specifically is filled with lots of different challenges and lots of different obstacles. And that was a big one in my life. And for me to kind of pass that has yeah, given me a bit of clarity that that whatever comes to me, I'm, I'm going to tackle it head on and I'm going to go all in and I've got amazing team behind me and amazing people supporting me. So yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky and I'm, I'm kind of all in. I think that's it. So just, I'm all in. But... <laughs> For the, for the roller coaster, whatever happens. Well, yeah, as proven most recently at the end of the Super League tour. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that at the end of that kind of a month to produce that kind of a finish against someone like Martin, quite special. Yeah. No, yeah, it was it was cool. I actually going on to the last run. They have something called a short shoot in the Super League. I'm sure a lot of you know, but I actually didn't know he had the short shoot uh, going into that last run because I I was kind of. On that first race, a lot of them had caught a wave um, in the sea swim and were miles ahead of Johnny and I and Kenji and the likes of four or five of them away. So I didn't actually know he had the short shoot until we kind of got into that last race and I'm in the mix. And then all of a sudden, Martin's about 20 meters ahead. And yeah, it was, it was, it made it really exciting in a way because Hayden actually went all into catch. And then I, I started moving my way up and could, I can hear Johnny behind me breathing on me, breathing down my neck. And I was like, oh, it's going to be exciting because obviously us three are fighting for the, for the final podium and, uh, of the Super League standings. And yeah, that, that kind of, the, the, the last 200 meters were so technical and stuff. You, for me, I was actually just more thinking about taking the right apex through the corners, making sure I was flowing through the lines as fast as I could, rather than worrying too much about what was going on until about 30 meters to go and then trying to get around Martin. And, uh, I think I did it probably by a hair's whip. So, um, it was, yeah, it was. It was pretty cool and I think it was a nice way to finish the Super League and mm. made it made it look really exciting and, and made triathlon yeah, showed triathlon as exciting again, I think. Well, it's always been exciting, but Yeah. No, it definitely like, you know, it's a it's a very tight course. It's yeah, you know, it's it's relentless the action and, and you're back in it. I mean, yeah, it, it was a it was a spectacle. And to be able to produce that sort of a finish at the end of a, a month. I mean, how did they how did it all stack up? Uh, you know, it was not far off the back of Edmonton as well those kind of ups and downs i mean you've got to be hoping you can just ride the adrenaline to an extent have you because if you stop and think about it too much yeah. and then the next month might just be a bit like oh my god like this is here we go again yeah so i think for edmonton and london as well i think i just put a lot of pressure on myself i i felt like maybe the first that's the first time i felt like there was a bit of expectation on my shoulders and things like that i obviously was wearing the number one for the first time leading into the, the kind of grand final to win the world championships and also in london my hometown and a lot of people I felt like were there to watch obviously the Brits, but also me as a, as a London boy. Um, so I felt like I just had to put on a show for everyone and, and, and yeah, make everyone proud and everything to be a dream. And I guess that's not the way sport works. And I think I, I just had to, to kind of take a step back from that. And I think I did after London was just be like, right, this is, why do I do this? What I do it. Cause I enjoy it. I want to, I want to obviously race well, but I want to race the best I can rather than worrying about too much what other people think about of, of me and, and, and kind of, uh, yeah, the public perception, because that I, I guess, you know, 
I guess in a way that they're really proud of what I achieved the Olympics and um, they, they just want to see me do well rather than me thinking, okay, they want me to win all the time, all this kind of stuff. So I, I kind of took a step back from there and I really enjoyed what I was doing. Just soaked it up and went through my processes and stayed present throughout all the races. And it just seemed to progress from there. I felt like I made less mistakes and, and felt better in myself as I raced on and on and on. And yeah, it, uh, the, the last two races were, were really exciting finishes and uh, were probably two of the races I enjoyed most this year. Yeah. And, you know, and a great prize to get at the end of it as well. Part of you just the first, there must've been a bit of you that just thought Porsche. <laughs> um for me i just wanted yeah obviously it's it, it's yeah we're extremely lucky in travel on this well the, the, that series has a, a little bit of money behind it it's, it's kind of yeah we're incredibly lucky in that sense and obviously it's equal between to, between male and female as well which i think is incredibly important thing and it's been uh obviously a hot topic in cycling and whatnot but um for me personally i just wanted to end the season with complete clarity that i'd done everything I could and to end the season on a high note and uh, enjoy myself as much as possible. And for me, that's print and finish. What, what, a per what a perfect way to end the year. And um, yeah, I had thoughts of potentially ra racing maybe onto to Abu Dhabi and stuff like that and further, um, but, but kind of finishing that way, yeah, left me completely at peace that this was uh, a nice ending to the year and, and uh, a time for me to reflect and kind of actually taking what's kind of happened over the last year because it's been a bit of a blur and something I could yeah never have imagined yeah yeah what a nice way actually yeah to to, to round off after after the grand finals because it you know there's obviously a very strong kind of collective spirit there as well as there always is yeah totally grand finals and and that I got to ask about the uh sort of Beverly Hills Mansion thing going <laughs> on there just just a quick like run through of what was what 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 was that all about it was like a sort of triathlon version of entourage there's you and Matt Hales <laughs> playing pool in the corner I don't know non-Stanford sort of reclining on a chaise long in the <laughs> yeah so um we were we were really lucky that we had uh three days extra uh extra time to spend in in uh Malibu and Los Angeles and that kind of surrounding area and we don't normally get that opportunity with such a long triathlon season you're almost kind of race one race and you're onto the next one and, and whatnot. So we kind of took the opportunity with, with open arms and John, John Boyd, who's, uh, Jess's other half, um, uh, went on Airbnb, went to Beverly Hills and just put highs first, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we, we ended up on sunset plaza drive, um, but split between 10 of us, it was a bit more affordable. Um, but yeah, it's something you, you imagine doing with all of you, uh, like, yeah, it's something you imagine doing it as a kid for a dream, but we actually were able to do it. And yeah, it was, it was a really in, in, enjoyable, like, I think it was 48 hours you got to spend there, but just to, to kind of just, yeah, just enjoy each other's company. And we probably won't see a lot of each other for six months now because of, um, cause you go back to winter training, you do the less glamorous stuff. And, um, so yeah, it was a really nice way to kind of sign off the year for well, for me personally, I'm sure a lot of people will, will go on to the, the next world championship series race. Um, but yeah, it's, it was, yeah, it was, it was really cool. I, I enjoyed it and it's nice to, to see how the other half live and <laughs> yeah. Well, if ever a, an end of season deserved something like that, this was it. Who, um, yeah. who was better at pool, you or Matt Hauser? Well, I beat Matt, but I think Matt was actually better than me. I think I, uh, it was, it was... <laughs> yeah. um, all right now, so 
we've got to close this off unfortunately but i just want to we so we did a little shout out on instagram for uh for a few questions so i've got oh, yeah, yeah. i've got to run through these um so uh from ashley power favorite moment in 2021 and i'd like a sport and a non-sport version please oh uh like my favorite sporting moment outside of triathlon and stuff uh i think either Emma Raducanu winning the US Open. Um, I stayed up too late to watch that before the the Munich Super League. Um, <laughs> probably shouldn't be saying this, um, but yeah, I stayed up really late. Incredible. Um, non-sporting moment. God, I'm I'm a bit of a loser. I don't. <laughs> I don't really have. I don't think I have one. I can't can't think. Well, I mean, maybe a bit. Yeah, living it up for forty eight hours in. Uh, yeah, yeah. Probably sounds pretty good. No, but I mean, one of the things. For me, one of the things which I really enjoyed recently was the fact that the London Marathon was on at full capacity. I think the fact that we're able to to do mass participation races again after such a, a long time away and to see so many people, I got to stand at the finish line and see them all come over that last hundred meters to see the, the amount of passion and joy that people could get from a sport that we love was was really really touching. I think so. I think for me that was one of my big moments of the year was kind of having that finally back and yeah, it was really nice. Very cool. I think the original question from Ashley was actually Have I ruined your it? own your own personal favourite moment. Trying to oh, no. rank, rank your achievements, which you know, it's it's up to you. Really. Um, well, I think Leeds was for me my biggest surprise ever, and to do it in front of my parents and family and so many people who were so close to me. I think you can see me pointing at every single person in the crowd because I kind of knew almost everyone there, which was amazing. So I think for me to do that in front of those people I think it was incredibly special and set up a really nice year. Set the ball rolling. Yeah. Um, all right, Lily Hall at 05, what's been the most rewarding thing about coming home to Broccoli? I don't know if that means oh. like, you know, there's no there's no golden post box this year or something. <laughs> Maybe is it like a lifetime supply from your favorite kebab shop or I'm not really sure. So so there's they actually created a mural right by the entrance of Broccoli, which um which was incredibly touching from kind of to, yeah, for my my area to show support for me and the community to get behind me and to be proud of me. I think that was incredibly special. Even the man in the pizza shop across the road notices me now and he gave me free pizza yesterday. So really things like that, things like that are just touching because it just feels like your community is behind you. And I'm extremely proud of where I'm from and being a, being a broccoli boy, being from Lewisham, it's just incredible that they, they, they reciprocate that. Yeah. Anyone who's not seen that, it's well worth a Google. Alex Yee, broccoli, neural, <laughs> have a look. Um, <laughs> S, it's either Scremsey or SC Ramsey 895, Kona one day. Wow. Um, it seems like a leap after. I've not thought that far ahead, actually. Uh, uh, one thing I would say is watching the London Marathon made me really want to do the London Marathon at one, one point in my life. Mm. So I'd love to do that at some point when I'm, uh, when, it, when it's appropriate. Yeah. But Kona's would be cool, but I don't know if I'd do it in a competitive capacity. I'd have to see. have to see, yeah. Uh, Ian Bormitt, are you scared of the Norwegians? Now that could have many layers <laughs> to it, I guess. <laughs> I've never seen anyone shout at somebody. Well, I never raced, never raced Alistair in the kind of era where people obviously talked about him being the real leader of the pack and controlling, not controlling people, but being able to, to help people to help him and, and drive packs and stuff like that, which he did incredibly well. But for me, I've never seen somebody as animated as, as Christian in a race, which is in, incredible to see. And I would say I'm scared of him, but it's also it's when you're riding and, and somebody's shouting, you're like, 
you that's that's what you had time but he's also be he's also i think he's got a lot of respect for me and i have a lot of respect for him so it's it's cool to have i guess an ally but also not an ally in the in the in the race like yeah. that no for sure um now dream uh so this is sunny leishman uh dream training camp where and with who oh so i when we were in malibu I, uh seth took me on seth and took me and matt down one of the descents which went down um from kind of 700 meters high at the top of kind of thousand oaks straight down to the malibu beach and they've been completely resurfaced the corners were so smooth and uh halfway down about 20 lamborghinis came past us just in the convoy and you're like minor dream what's going on you can send down to million pound houses and and that was amazing and i'd love to to be able to go there and ride properly and explore that um with everyone from super league everyone in triathlon everyone from super league everyone from the leeds training center everyone from loughborough one day when i have enough money Hossy up. probably not me <laughs> and then i'll go broke it'll be worth it excellent pre-race ritual asks latchy henwood um i just eat rice before a race that's one thing i do and then i always make sure i put this uh necklace i'm wearing in my side pocket and make sure it's there with me at all times so because that's my chart my luck charm now so make sure that's with me all the time um, where did that come from uh my, my girlfriend actually gave it to me libby so um it's got a line on it uh team gb line so yeah, so it's with me at all times, part of a lion. Very cool. Last couple then. Who got who got you into triathlon? Who? Probably my dad was the one that got me into triathlon. Um, he did a bit of triathlon uh, prior to, to to me kind of getting involved with the sport. I remember going to some domestic races and watching him race and being inspired and seeing him fly by and thinking, oh, I want to give that a go. And I guess like most people, you want to be like your parents, you want to be like your dad. Um, so yeah, I gave that a go. I gave it a go and was able to go to the first ever junior triathlon club uh, session. And I, I think the challenge for me was the thing which is which which kept me kept me coming back was the fact that there were so many things to triathlon that challenged me and I wasn't good at. Um, and I think that excited me and kept me coming back and showing up and yeah, kind of getting to here. Yeah. And then finally, then when the chips are down in a race and you've got to give yourself a bit of a talking to, is there something? that you always kind of bring up like a little mantra or anything. So for me, whether things are going good or bad, I, I always come back to the the saying, what's next. I think for me, that's something which brings me back to the present and make sure I stay on what I'm, uh, the task at hand and making sure because your mind can wander so easily in the race and you can kind of get to the end and forget what you're doing. And especially in the mixed relay and super league and those super short races where you're having to make split second decisions you need to be making sure you're 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 focusing on the kind of the next 30 seconds and how you can do that the best you can and for me i always come back to kind of what's next what uh even though something's gone wrong what's next for me to what's next what's the best thing i can be doing in this 30 seconds and uh, to kind of get me to the next 30 seconds in the best possible place and keep moving forward in that in that sense so so yeah that's Kind of for me is that what what's next and it just brings me back and yeah presence yeah so what is next for you i mean you know do you you from the start of the year compared to you now having you know tasted that incredible success is it you know do you feel do you feel 
like something of a new man? Are you really like just looking forward to the next couple of months off and then next year building it straight back up again? Uh, I think for me, uh, the important thing is I, I just don't want things to change too much. I think, um, obviously I was incredibly lucky to have the success from, from what I was doing prior. And I've, I've really enjoyed kind of the time I spent in Loughborough and the winter I spent there. So I'd love to just kind of go through, go through that again with, with the same people and just, just make sure things stay the same. Cause fundamentally, I just, just love what I'm doing and just want to keep that, keep that mantra and yeah, I don't know, just, just keep enjoying what I'm doing and hopefully that will, that will lead to, to, to similar things and, and hopefully lead to me improving. And Basically yeah, that recreate 2021, don't you? That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, forever. Just keep them coming. I'm just, I'm just playing. But, uh, yeah. And Paris long, long way off, but, uh, presumably if, if selection criteria follows suit, yeah, you won't have to worry about qualification and so on for that as much like, you know, it's kind of, if you're in the, in the position then you get the slot and um you know it'd be kind of kind of crazy i mean not just thinking about paris now but for the next year's world champs as well going into a season you know as a, as a marked man it's going to feel kind of different right yeah i guess for me like i still don't see myself as a marked man like i still feel like i'm just racing with people that i watched on the telly like when i was 13 14 years old like uh, it's it's just bizarre still when like i'm progressing and feel like a child of the sport i feel like i just i just enjoy what i'm doing and and yes, it, I almost stand on the start line as an equal. I feel like I, um, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm, I, I personally mark anyone differently or I, I have an incredible respect for everyone because to get to that point, it's incredibly tough. It takes a lot of investment. It takes a lot of time. So yeah, for me, I, I don't know. It's just, I, <laughs> it, it's, it's just incredibly weird to think that somebody well, I just believe I'm incredibly normal, just somebody who worked hard and just enjoyed what I was doing. For for that to be the case is a bit bit bizarre. But yeah, really cool at the same time. Yeah. Well, you know, it's there's it, it, as the under twenty three world champs showed as well, like that that fresh talent coming through and the bring through season ahead. There's the likes of Ali and and Javier kind of officially as much as you ever do, I suppose, hanging up their boots and Richard Murray probably now, you know, fortunately with his injury and so those, well, those start lines are going to start to look a bit different, aren't they, as well? And, you know, inevitably you'll feel like the more experienced member up there pretty soon. But um, great to talk to you. Thanks ever so much. Congrats again on a, on a great year. And, yeah, long may those battles in Leeds and Tokyo and Malibu and Edmonton continue. We look forward to them. No, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's nice to just chat. I don't know. Every time you speak to somebody, it just seems to, I guess, sink in a little bit more. So it's really nice to just talk it through a little bit, I guess. But yeah, no, thank you. Thanks to Alex for that brilliant run through of an unforgettable year. That is five of the six Olympic gold medalists from Tokyo 2020 on the pod now. So Jess Learmouth, we're coming for you. Thanks as always for listening. And don't forget, you can now email us all your feedback, feelings and future guest requests via podcast at triathlon.org.